This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to the Zoomer Week in Review, brought to you by CARP, fighting for financial security for our seniors. Find out more at carp.ca. Good afternoon. Welcome to the Zoomer Week in Review, all things Zoomer worldwide. I'm Bob Comsick for Libby Zneimer. Anxious to get back into your garden, or maybe the pandemic's prompted you to start one? If it has, you're not alone. That is one silver lining to COVID. We, we aren't going anywhere, so we're really we're loving our spaces. Charlie Dobbin, host of The Garden Show, Saturday mornings at 9 here on Zoomer Radio. We'll be stopping by later with some green thumb tips. And COVID's playing a role in the decision-making of a quarter of Canadians who'd been looking for or had bought a place the past year. One in five moved or planned to move away from big cities. There's so many people on the go, thanks to COVID, who wanted to figure out where you could move and find the best combination of lifestyle and housing for the price, for the best price. Rob McLister of Rates.ca will join us to discuss their new livability report, including the 10 most livable places in Canada. But first, here are your Zoomer headlines from around the world. The UK government is among the first to unveil a new health body tasked with preparing the country for future pandemics. The Health Security Agency will start its work next month and be fully operational by the fall, working to protect the population against future external health threats, including infectious diseases. But its primary focus will be the continued fight against COVID. Chances are you haven't heard of anyone you know coming down with a flu this year. In fact, officials have recorded just 66 confirmed cases in Canada as of March 20th. The average is more than 43,000. The Public Health Agency of Canada says the numbers are so low, they haven't even met the threshold to declare that flu season has started. New York's legalized marijuana after years of failed attempts and stalled efforts. The state passing a bill this week to legalize the drug for adults 21 and older that could lead to a $4 billion industry, making it among America's largest markets. New York becomes the 15th state to permit the drug for recreational use. Canada legalized marijuana in October of 2018. Before the pandemic, the world was already far from reaching gender parity, estimated to take about 110 years. Now the pandemic has pushed that number back 135 years, according to this week's report by the World Economic Forum. The findings are out just as International Women's Month wraps up. Israel ranks 60th out of the list of 156 countries when it comes to gender equality, prompting women's advocates to say Israel is in a worrying regression on the status of women. Canada ranks 24th, the U.S. 30th. For the 12th year, Iceland is the country with the smallest gender gap. My father was in uh, the First World War as a pilot. Like father, like daughter. 
War vet Connie Mooney of Ottawa celebrates her 100th birthday on Wednesday. She says she joined the Air Force in 1942 out of a sense of adventure. First posted to Winnipeg briefly, she soon headed overseas in the summer of 44 to the headquarters of the Canadian contingent of Bomber Command. Today, her home is filled with memorabilia and plaques from the various bases they were stationed. She's kept all the newspaper clippings of her war years. She now shares with her children and grandchildren and visitors to the Canadian War Museum, where she volunteered for so many years. I'm Bob Comsick for Libby's Nimer, and those are your Zoomer headlines from around the world. Flexibility of working from home and the desire for larger living spaces have fueled a boom in finding a place away from big cities this past year. With that in mind, Rates.ca set out to identify the best small towns or rural areas to live in. Mortgage editor Rob McLister is here to talk about their livability report. So with so many people on the go, uh, thanks to COVID, we wanted to figure out where uh, you could move and find the best combination of lifestyle and housing uh, for the price, for the best price. And so we found that, you know, we, we interviewed a lot of people and we found that uh, almost a quarter of those who moved uh, or plan to move uh, since last March said they did so uh, for reasons that include COVID. To get away, have a bit more space? That's right. Yeah. More green, uh, more room, uh, bigger home uh, for the same amount of money. Uh, those are all examples of reasons why people were, some people were fleeing the big cities for smaller places. Now, would that be a case of then moving away and still having to eventually consider transportation to and from work once this is all said and done, or that wasn't even in on their on their minds? They just wanted to get away from the big city. Yeah, you had a a, a large proportion of folks that were working and can work anywhere uh, thanks to the wonders of the internet, uh, and so uh, you know you had uh, a lot of those folks telecommuting. Um, and out of the people that moved, uh, one in five said they uh, moved or plan to move from a big city to a smaller, more rural location. Okay, so how many cities, towns were involved in the report? How many did you look 100, at? 166. Wow. And from coast to coast to coast? That's right. Was there a part of the country where there seemed to be a, a more of a, a, a concentrated effort to try to escape to, if you will? Yeah, you know, BC did uh, disproportionately better than most provinces. And that is partly a function of the screening criteria in our uh, list and our ranking process. And so what we did was, <clears throat> excuse me, there's there's a whole bunch of criteria that we use to figure out, you know, where people uh, might want to move. And some of it was objective, like uh, population growth, you know, home price growth, that kind of thing. Some of it was subjective. And among the subjective criteria was scenery, you know, access to nature, outdoor activities, that type of thing, nightlife. Okay. And then, <clears throat> so BC did, uh, you know, pretty well when it comes to scenery and uh, outdoor activities, access to nature. Uh, you know, we gave uh, a small amount of extra points for towns that were in the mountains, 
or near major water bodies. Uh, and so we really tried to add some weight uh, so that folks that wanted to move someplace beautiful with lots of green and lots of fresh air um, could see those uh, towns do a little bit better in the rankings. Those in the GTA, where did they want to go to? Was it necessarily as far west as BC or just outside of the GTA and somewhere where they, again, had more quote-unquote room? Yeah, without question, most people uh, stay within their province. And so, you know, the number one uh, town uh, in Ontario was Niagara-on-the-Lake. You know, and that did well because, you know, it's got a strong housing market, uh, but it's still, you know, half the price of nearby Toronto. Uh, it's got, you know, beautiful scenery. you got a, a gorgeous little Victorian town there on the lake. Lots to do. you got the art scene, outdoor activities, restaurants, yada, yada, and a good climate, relatively speaking. So can we take a look at the top 10 most livable uh, places this year, according to uh, rates.ca? Yeah, well, we started, we'll do the reverse countdown for more suspense. So, you know, we started with Quebec City, uh, beautiful, beautiful city, uh, and with lots to do. Um, then we, at number nine was Penticton. Um, again, a gorgeous uh, place in the, on the lake in Okanagan, BC. Uh, number eight was Sydney, Nova Scotia. Very interesting place. You know, they had 50% year-over-year price gain uh, last year in Sydney, Nova Scotia. Um, and number seven, uh, Cowichan Bay in B.C., another gorgeous little uh, nook in B.C. with beautiful mountain views and a little bay there. Uh, number six, Niagara-on-the-Lake, which we talked about. Number five was a, a town I honestly didn't even know about, Roslyn, B.C. Uh, and in researching this town, uh, just stunning scenery in the mountains, uh, beautiful little town, uh, tons to do, great ski scene if you're into that, hiking, all that good stuff. Uh, number four was Bathurst, New Brunswick, uh, one of the most uh, affordable places in the entire country, uh, you know, right next to the ocean, um, uh, you know, beautiful little town. Um, number three was Trois-Rivières uh, in Quebec, uh, and that had a lot going for it. Uh, it was a bit of a surprise to us, um, but, uh, you know, a $224,000 average home price, very affordable, lots to do, um, access to, you know, scenery if you want it. Um, number two was Kelowna, a uh, beautiful town on the lake uh, in the Okanagan near wine country, uh, great four-season climate. Uh, and then topping the list was Langford, B.C., uh, so outside of uh, Victoria there. You know, you got a strong housing market. Um, you have positive net migration, very one of the highest population growth rates. And obviously, a lot of people want, wanting to move there. Um, you have tons to do, access to nature right near the ocean, uh, excellent climate, um, just a great place to be. Rob, who's looking to move? Young, older, all age groups? Well, you know, it's disproportionately folks that uh, are still working and can work from anywhere. Uh, and so, um, you know, those folks can, as long as you got an Internet connection, you know, you can be in Canmore, Alberta, uh, looking at the beautiful mountains while you're doing your work, and skiing part time. To dream, eh? To dream. And a lot of people aren't just dreaming, they're doing and moving. Rob McLister, rates.ca mortgage editor. Thank you so much. My pleasure. Rob McLister of Rates.ca. 
Bob Comsick, and this is the Zoomer Week in Review. Coming up, tips for those with a green thumb or the many who'd like one as we get down and dirty in the garden. You're listening to the Zoomer Week in Review, brought to you by CARP, bringing you vital information to boost your health, your finances, and your rights. Find out more at carp.ca. While robins remind us spring's here, the temperatures sometimes slap us in the face, literally. And we remember it's early spring, but it's not too soon to think about returning to our gardens or starting one. Just ask Charlie Dobbin, host of The Garden Show, Saturdays at 9 on Zoomer Radio. Charlie, are we getting a little ahead of ourselves when it comes to returning to our gardens, given the weather? Never too early to think about the garden, Bob. Gosh, I've been thinking about the garden since November. As I understand from the seed suppliers, people have been ordering seeds since November. So, yeah, we're pretty jazzed up for this spring, I think. So what are some things that people should start doing now? Well, I mean, if you've got uh, a lawn and you've got land, um, if it's dry enough, you don't want to go out when it's soggy. It's very important to stay off the the soil and off the lawns if they're soggy. But if they're dry enough, certainly it's an excellent time to be raking all the dead grass out of the lawn, picking up debris that blew in on the wind from the winter, you know, garbage and limbs that broke off of trees. We've had a lot of wind this winter, it seems like. So there's just that kind of cleanup that has to happen. And then we start getting into some pruning when we can reach things in the garden without uh, stepping on anything that's trying to come up. Uh, Stand back, admire your bulbs. They should be poking through now or anytime soon. So they're always exciting. I I love love seeing all the daffodils and tulips and everything coming up. But um, yeah, some people don't have land and they, they garden on their balconies or on their terraces. So they'll have, you know, containers from last year that might have, again, debris in them. So start digging out some of the the, um, you know, and composting all the old stuff that uh, is sort of kicking around. It's kind of cleanup time right now. And also, obviously, be thinking about what seeds you should be starting and want to start and should be starting any time now. Are you finding that people are more into their gardens or want to get into their gardens figuratively and literally because of COVID? I think so. I think um, because so many people are at home and, of course, they're not going out to restaurants and they're not going anywhere, the home has become, you know, everybody's castle. And the, the whole staycation, you know, certainly happened in a big way. So, of course, people are, we know people are doing home renovations and home beautification. And, of course, you know, we want to get outside. Fresh air is so good for us mentally and, and emotionally and psychologically. So getting outside Suddenly, you know, again, it's, it's, it's kind of new eyes, new appreciation, I think, of our outdoor spaces. So, yes, COVID, that is one silver lining to COVID. We, we aren't going anywhere, so we're really we're loving our spaces. What if someone is new to gardening? What would you recommend they do? You touched on some recommendations for those who are gardeners. But what if someone, because of COVID and they want to now get out and become, quote unquote, a gardener to help them get that green thumb? Mm-hmm. Well, you know what? Anybody can can grow just about anything. I think for many people, what gets them started, I, I certainly know many of the, the younger people in my, my world, uh, they want to grow things they can eat. 
So they might start with just a pot of herbs. They might start with a pot of parsley or basil. And it's certainly the kind of thing that you can pick up at your local grocery store when you're out shopping, or you can start from seeds at home. But it's always easier to buy a plant that's already started. And then it's really just having the right light levels, whether, I mean, at this time of year, if we are starting any seeds or we are picking up herbs or even pansies or a pot of geraniums, anything like that. We don't have them outside yet. Any of the tender stuff stays inside until we're frost-free. But, you know, a sunny windowsill, water when necessary. Um, do get yourself some fertilizer because you any potted plants are going to need pretty regular fertilizing every month or so, three to four weeks. And that will keep them blooming and growing and doing well. And, uh, and yeah, I mean, it, it all kind of starts with one little pot of something. And then before you know it, you've got the bug. And then you've got two or three pots and four or five pots. And then you've got bigger pots and it goes from there. Any gardening trends you've heard of or are noticing? I think you might have maybe alluded to one there when you said start with one and grow. So like tiny mm-hmm. gardens or anything like that? Especially people who don't have a lot of property, so they think more small than on a grander scale. Well, that's right, because, I mean, when we have those big yards and those big vegetable gardens, we can grow big vegetable plants. But there are dwarf vegetable plants that are specifically selected to grow in pots. So there's some pretty sweet stuff out there, and actually Stokes Seeds, I know they're quite overwhelmed with orders, but they have quite a nice website, and if you go to their website, they do have a a catalog and lots of good tips, and one of the whole sections they have is on small space gardening or vertical gardening, so really taking advantage of plants that are going to be proportional to the space you've got, Um, and there are some great varieties, you know, small tomatoes, small eggplants, um, you know, lettuces, that sort of thing. I think people would be more inclined to lean toward vegetable gardening as opposed to flowers, given the fact with flowers, you can appreciate them visually, where at least with the vegetables, you can consume them. Right. But keep in mind that there's edible flowers. Right. Oh, right. That's true. That's true. That's true. Right? Yeah. I mean, even pansies. You can eat the flowers of pansies. And I'll tell you, that's when my daughter was small. She uh, discovered that you could eat nasturtiums, and that was it. She was hooked for life. She, from that point forward, she only wanted to grow edible flowers. So <laughs> it's you know, so you can get both, right? It, it's not that you have to uh, get stuck. And some of the vegetables are very beautiful. I mean, there's some really, um, I'm, there's one, um, a chard. I just remember what's called. Uh, oh, it'll come to me. It's it's all brilliant colors. The leaves, every. Stem. Some stems are yellow. Some stems are orange and red. And they're just. It's just. There's some really kind of like I say. It's really pretty beautiful vegetables out there too. Okay, Charlie Dobbin. Thank you very much for your time and uh, words of wisdom. Thanks so much, Bob. Take care. Happy gardening. That was Charlie Dobbin, host of the Garden Show, Saturday mornings at nine here on Zoomer Radio. And that brings us to the end of. This week's edition of the Zoomer Week in Review. I'm Bob Comsick for Libby's Nimer. Thanks for joining me. Be sure to come back next week to stay up to date with all things Zoomer worldwide. Zoomer Week in Review is produced by Zeev Huddy, Christine Ross, and Paul Thomas. Technical producer, Justin Eacock. Executive producer, Moses Nimer. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads. 
Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.